everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, if you've been listening to this show at all, you should know three things by now. Um, one, I like food and cooking. Two, I like television. And three, I'm a big nerd. So today's show, we're going to hit the trifecta of my interests. We're going to talk about food and nerdiness about food. Today, we're going to talk to a senior editor at Cooks Illustrated, cast member of America's Test Kitchen, and host of the YouTube show, Technically, it's Lon Lamb. Hey, Lon, welcome to the show. Hi, Curtis. It's great to be here. And we should say, I, I often say in my head, I think I have some of the nicest guests in on the internet. And today, we proved it because... I was an hour late to my own show. <laughs> that has never happened before. So I, I guess I can't add or subtract three to numbers. So I was, uh, poor Lon was sitting here at 12 o'clock her time and I was just goofing around the house and I realized I was an hour late to my own show. But thank you for your patience, Lon. Uh, you, you deserve a meal. If you ever come out to San Francisco, uh, let me know if you're up in the city <laughs> and we will take you out to dinner next time you're out here. Oh my gosh, I'm always looking to eat out with new people. I'm in. All right, all right. Yeah, we'll take you to some uh, holes in the wall out here in San Francisco. Uh, what's good in Boston these days? Uh, oh, so many things. Now that I can get out, um, I think uh, there's a little there's a little bakery near my house called La Saison. And um, after this, I'm going to head over there. It's really sunny out today. It's gorgeous. Um, little cold, but uh, I'm going to head over there, grab some cardamom coffee, and mm. they do these orange marzipan scones that are just, they're just perfect. Sounds great. Yeah, I, I've only been to Boston once, um, and I, I was there in January, and I realized that I was a soft Californian because when I got out there, I'm in my ski clothes, and I looked around, and people are walking around in, like, denim jackets or a leather jacket. You know, for us out here in California, 50, 55 is what we call freezing. Have you gotten harder <laughs> over your years out there? Can you go out in a sweater in 30-degree in weather? Uh, you know, I will put on a couple more layers. I, I, I'm not the... Um I'm not quite local enough to be rocking the iced coffee in the middle of January, but it's in the mid 40s today, and that's pretty nice because a couple of weeks ago it was minus 16, and that was terrible. <laughs> no, I, I read somewhere that you're a California kid. I am. I grew up out there, and um, sometimes I wonder if if there's a statute of limitations because I've been on the East Coast, I think, longer than I lived in California. No, I think you're always going to be a California kid at heart, right? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I there are a lot of likes in my uh, when I speak, and it's probably a product of of growing up out there in the '90s. <laughs> now, uh, so I, I stalked you a little bit on LinkedIn. Pardon my uh, stalking of you. Uh, you were a chemistry major over in the East Coast. I was. I majored in chemistry at Wesleyan University, and uh, it was great until it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Was there was there a plan with that? Was there any parental pressure with that? Uh, definitely. I, gosh, I went to college kind of knowing I didn't have a plan. And so I deliberately chose a place where I didn't have to pick a major. I was considering chemistry and I was considering history of some sort, unclear what, uh, mostly because those are the classes I really loved in high school. And, um, my parents definitely pushed me towards something a little bit more practical or practical in their minds. Um, pre-med, it was, 
I could tell they were thinking it, although they never actually <laughs> said you have to do that. Um, and, uh, and so I chose chemistry and I don't regret it. It was great. It was super fun. But halfway through the program, I realized I liked learning about chemistry. I didn't love doing it. Mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. that was not great. Now, were you secretly reading cookbooks under your covers at night? <laughs> you know, when you're <laughs> st- instead of studying chemistry, are you reading Harold McGee's book? Or <laughs> yeah, you know, I um, I actually have a um, a librarian friend at Wesleyan University to thank for for my career. Her name is Leslie Starr, and the summer between my junior and senior year, I was working in interlibrary loan. Um, and Leslie handed Harold McGee to me and she said, you like cooking and you like food and you like science. I think you should read this book. <laughs> and I have, I have memories of like that hot Connecticut summer, like flipping through like the section on eggs and reading about albumin and egg whites <laughs> and how there are different types. Uh-huh. And I should have recognized back then that I, I would move into this field eventually, but it took a while to get here. So yeah, you graduate, and according to your LinkedIn, you just jump into cooking jobs. Is that was that um, a hobby turned into a career, or how did that happen? How did you learn how to cook? Oh no, I, I, I moved up to Boston after college because I didn't know what I was doing with myself, and I look back and I think it's so funny that I was sure at the age of twenty-two that I was too old to go to culinary school. It was too late. <laughs> yeah, you're too, you're so old. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, but you know, I, I was I was privileged enough um, to have my parents help pay for college, and so the idea of asking them to foot the bill for more schooling in an area that I was sure they would not approve of didn't quite sit right with me. Um, and so I was kind of just up in Boston, hanging with friends trying to figure out what I could do since I knew it wouldn't be chemistry. <laughs> and um, eventually, a one of my friends said, hey, my mom's college roommate owns a restaurant in Cambridge. Why don't you just go talk to her? And so her mother set up this interview, and I met uh, Mary Catherine Diebel, who owned Upstairs on the Square. It's not a restaurant that's around anymore, but um, she was super kind, super thoughtful, offered to introduce me to her chefs. Um, There were two restaurants in that building, and um, both restaurants were helmed by women. And so I met her chefs, and they were very encouraging and very friendly, and they offered to teach me. It would be for free. I could come in on my schedule, not theirs. And, um, And I did that for, gosh, four or five months. And that experience was just it was transformative. I think I was so green and so new and just wide-eyed staring at everyone and everything because mm-hmm. they all seemed so with it and so professional and everything felt so fast. Yeah, um, yeah. And But eventually somebody left suddenly, which is very typical of restaurants, uh-huh. and, and they offered me a job and that was how I got started. Huh. That that seems kind of rare to me that they would just take in a kid off the street, you know, like no real culinary skills and just show you the ropes. I um I don't think it actually is all that rare. I think 
a lot of restaurants are shorthanded. And so yeah. if you want to get in, this is okay. a tip for anybody who wants to get into restaurants. If you're reliable, a good listener and a hard worker, you can talk your way into most restaurants. <laughs> Especially now, actually, I heard there's, there's a real shortage of, of kitchen help now, you know. Yeah, it's, um, it, it comes in waves depending on the mm. area. Um, I think Boston is kind of moving away from that right now. It, chatting with my friends who are, um, in kitchens, it feels a little easier than it was a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. So okay. it, it really comes in fits and starts. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Hey, before we get talking about your, your day job, you mind playing a little America's Test Kitchen trivia? <laughs> I might not be very good at this. Well, no, okay. I know you'll know the first one. The other two are so ridiculous. I don't expect you to know. <laughs> All right. Here we go. All right. Let's do this. Thank you for playing along. Uh, number one question. According to, well, in 2022, but also 2021, what was the number one downloaded recipe from your website? Uh-oh. Oh, <laughs> uh, can I have two guesses? Sure. Wait, no, you know, cast iron pan yep, pizza? Yeah, cast iron pan pizza, number one. What was your second guess? Um, a shrimp scampi would have been my second guess. Hmm, I don't know where that ranked, but uh, chicken and vinegar was, or the French. Ooh, uh, the poulet, poulet. au vinaigre. Yeah. Yeah. That's number two. Oh. But yeah, cast iron pizza two years in a row. <laughs> really? Yeah. I had no idea. Um, I I had a lot of fun with that pizza. It um, I developed it in 2018, 2019. Oh, so that's yours. <laughs> it, it is mine. Um, and it's it's kind of like my tribute to like the Pizza Hut pan pizzas I grew mm -hmm. up eating. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's not a you know it's not something that you would find in New York at uh, any, really on any corner. Um, it's not an Italian style pizza. It is very American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I went through a, a little pizza phase. You'll know this guy. So I got a copy of Todd English's Figs uh, cookbook. And so we make his dough. But you know what? The problem with home kitchens is our ovens just don't get hot enough. So the, uh, the cast iron is a way around that. You get the little crispy Yeah, crust. you know, you, you just have to find the right style of pizza for your oven. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So number two, I don't expect you to know this, but you might be able to, to field a guess on this. For the uh, 20th anniversary special on 2020, uh, 2019, they, they threw out a fact out there. How many pounds of garlic has the Test Kitchen gone through in the first 20 years from uh, 1999 to 2019? It's in the thousands. Okay. It, it's, it's less than five, more than one. <laughs> That's less than I expected. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's say 3,500. You're pretty close. You're in the ballpark 2,500, but yeah. Okay. But uh, also the other fact that come, came through was 52,000 pounds of flour. Now, I know you've done some of that. <laughs> yeah. it's it, we, we go through a lot. A lot. Yeah. That's amazing. All right. Now, this one is kind of funny. Now, this is, I had to dig a little. So, I went to uh, IMDb. Uh, how many Asian cooks have presented? We are the Infatuation Podcast. So, how many <laughs> Asian cooks, including yourself, have presented on America's Test Kitchen? Oh, it's going to be me. Yep. Kenji and Tim. Okay. Am I missing anyone? 
They're before your time. Uh, Don? Don Oh, oh I didn't have that TV? one. I didn't um, have that. Have you heard the name Sandra Wu? Yes, she lives in the Bay Area, and she still actually freelances for us. Okay, yeah, Sandra, 2004 to 2007, so sort of the early days. Yeah. Then I have a I have a Joanne Chang in 2016. Joanne Chang of Flower Bakery. She's okay. kind of one of my infatuations. I, <laughs> I, I, um, there's a flower bakery in our building, and I'm there every morning. The staff all know me. They all know my mug. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And every so often I see Joanne in there, um, and I never can quite bring up the nerve to go say hello, but she's, <laughs> she's wonderful. Okay. And Tian Ho, 2015. I don't I know do her. I do not know that person. Yeah. Only one episode. So she must have been brought in. So yeah, there's a handful, mm-hmm. handful of y'all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Sandra though. She recently did a, um, a corn and chicken soup that's actually pretty fantastic. You mm. should check it out. Okay, yeah. All right. Well, you did pretty well. You did. You know, I don't think you embarrassed yourself. <laughs> awesome. That's all I'm looking for. Uh, yeah, we should all be so lucky, right? Just don't embarrass yourself. All right. So let's talk about uh, Cooks Illustrated and a little bit of America's Test Kitchen. You know, my mom. Uh, she's not still a subscriber, but she used to. We used to have copies of Cooks Illustrated around the house, and my mom would get also Bon Appetit and Gourmet Magazine. But um, she would keep the Cooks Illustrated because of the covers. They're so beautiful. the The paper is is not that glossy, you know, mass produced mm-hmm. paper, but it's a high quality, a nice feel to it. A little thicker to hold up to the the stains and the drips you get in the kitchen. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, huge fan of of Cooks Illustrated. Were you a? Did you grow up watching or reading Cooks Illustrated or TK? I feel bad confessing this, but I didn't really know what Cooks Illustrated was when I applied for the job. <laughs> um, I I guess that's not totally fair. Back when I was working at Troquet, my friend Wayne, he was a baker there. He said, you've got to check out this magazine. They bring all this science to cooking. I think you'd love it. Mm-hmm. And um, he bought a copy for me that I devoured. But back then... I was keeping uh, line cook hours, which meant you were just working yeah. <laughs> 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And when you weren't working, you were either out with people or asleep. That yeah. was that was yeah. pretty much my life. And um, I never quite pursued educating myself. I spent a lot of time perusing cookbooks for inspiration, but I didn't. I wasn't reading them to learn how to do anything. I think. Sadly, I I feel like I assumed that anything worth learning I would learn in the restaurant. Um, uh-huh. And it's it's been it's interesting to look back on that time in my career and I I feel like I'm so lucky that <laughs> that I landed this job. It it feels I just feel really lucky. Yeah, uh, definitely seems like a good fit for you. So for for those of us, you know, cable cutters out there, you know, we only I only had cooking shows on PBS, and yeah, it's mm-hmm. one of my favorites. If uh, if audience out there, if you haven't watched it out here in the West Coast, KQED on uh, Saturday mornings, 
something around 11 o'clock, uh, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning on Saturdays. You can watch America's Test Kitchen or you can always get it on YouTube or online and get some episodes. But uh, you've been there for about 12 years. Uh, what different roles have you had at the magazine and the show? You know, I um, for I guess the entire my entire 12 years there, I've spent a good chunk of it in the kitchen developing recipes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what, one of the things I love about that is that I haven't been pigeonholed. I've, I bake, I work on cuisines mm-hmm. from across the world and learn a lot. Um, I get to apply science in some cases. Other times I'm just, um, I'm just looking for a fast and easy meal because that's what, often our readers want. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and so that's been fun, but putting a magazine together involves a lot more work than just, you know, writing a recipe and writing a story. And as I was able to get through recipe development more quickly, I got to work on other aspects. Um, for the longest time I was working on photo shoots, all of the food that you see in the magazine on the show, it's all real food made by us. (laughs) We, you know, um, Sometimes we'll have professional stylists come in. Usually it's for, you know, something where there's a setting and a scene to it. But if you're flipping through an issue of Cooks Illustrated, you'll often see food that's just on a white background, food that's just on a plain plate. And there we're trying to teach something. We're trying to help you learn how to do a thing or learn why we're asking you to do something that seems kind of obnoxious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, all of that food, that's just made by the test cooks. And so working photo shoots has been a ton of fun. We, uh, all the cooks illustrated recipes, we do cook throughs. Um, And so if you're, if you're making something and you're not sure what the recipe means when it says, you know, cook to this color, cook to the, or stir till you get to this consistency. You can watch a video and it's the cook who developed the recipe making the recipe so you can see what it is we want you to do. And that's something we've been doing since I got there. It wasn't, it's not something that's published or acknowledged that often, but I find mm. recipe cook-throughs to be fun to do. I had to learn how to do voiceovers. If you, <laughs> if you, if you listen to early recipes, not that they're not wooden now because I'm still reading a recipe, but if you go through something from like 2011, it's pretty rough. <laughs> it, it's pretty dry, pretty boring. And so that's been fun. Um, in the last six, seven years, I've gotten to dabble with TV. And that's been super weird, but mm-hmm. also fun. It's just a whole different way to look at telling stories about food, um, looking at how to cook and how to teach. It's It's been fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So let's talk a little bit. Again, we are the Infatuation Podcast. Let's dig a little deeper into your background. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your origin story, your family? How did you guys get here and uh, where did you guys come from? Uh, so I was born in Vietnam um, and my family left after the war because they, uh, we are – we I, I was born um, about an hour south of Saigon, so very – very mm-hmm. southern mo- most part of Vietnam. My mm-hmm. family uh, were pro-nationalists, and so mm-hmm. um, it was not the best place for us. Um, we 
left on what do you remember footage of like people on boats from the eighties? Yeah. We left yeah. on one of those. Um, and we spent, I think this is such a, I should preface this by these are family tales told by people who <laughs> tell stories very well. And I'm never quite sure which parts are true and which parts are embe- embellished. Okay. But that being said, um, my grandmother told stories about how we, got on the boat when I was 40 days old and um, we were on that boat for a week. We were attacked by pirates twice Mm -hmm. and my parents um, smuggled valuables in my diapers. They sewed stuff into the linings Uh of my diapers. Uh Um, And so I was like, gosh, I was attacked by pirates and a smuggler when I was 40 days old, nothing more interesting will ever happen to me. (laughs) You peaked early. Yeah. I really, truly did. But, um, we eventually got to, um, a refugee camp in Indonesia. I'm not exactly sure where, but we were there for, gosh, maybe nine or 10 months before we were adopted by this church in Palo Alto. And they brought us to the States, set us up with a place to live, got my parents um, a used car, helped them find jobs and learn English, got me into schools when I got old enough. And um, and so that's kind of how I got to the States and how my family got here. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have some Chinese ethnic roots as well? Yeah, my uh, some of my grandparents are Chinese, but um, I was born in Vietnam. Okay. And, Do you speak Chu Chow? Yeah. <laughs> I recognize like five words. I'm told that that was the first language I spoke, but oh. what I remember is speaking Vietnamese and trying to learn English, and uh, and I remember maybe it was I think kindergarten where I was so quiet. I think one because I didn't really speak English, but two because I was an especially introverted child um (laughs) the teachers thought i had some sort of learning disability and so i was (laughs) tested to make sure that i was in the right class and um it was a concern for my parents definitely um but i think it all worked out (laughs) and and look at you now you're you're on television speaking to millions of people yeah what a weird weird yeah, you know, um, a little preview for my audience out there. We're gonna. Have you watched the movie Donut King, the documentary? I have not. No. Fascinating show, but we're gonna talk to the Donut Princess. <laughs> she's uh, his niece, and uh, she's Cambodian. And the the her book, she wrote a book, and and the stories coming out of Southeast Asia in the seventies and eighties makes you realize. How soft, <laughs> how soft American born kids are. I don't, you know, just the, you know, like you, you were tough because you were 40 days old and you survived, you know, and you made it through. <laughs> I didn't, I mean, I didn't do anything. Let's be clear. <laughs> Can you even imagine, you know, like I have kids and, um, you know, we, we wouldn't even go to Napa without, you know, a suitcase full of stuff, you know, and just, you know, moving half our house just to go on a quick little trip. But can you imagine like leaving everything, carrying everything you own in, you know, and a child? <laughs> I just yeah. can't imagine. I just. The, I mean, I, I just traveling to a place where I don't speak English, I get so nervous and I'm like reading up on like common yeah. phrases I should know, etiquette and, um, 
the idea of moving somewhere just knowing that my entire life would start over is that's i i'm so impressed by what my my family has accomplished it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing it is yeah you know and I, i said this before it's not an uncommon story but it's still impressive you know like for as many times as I hear that story, I am still amazed that it gets done, you know, that people do this. Yeah, yeah, and that it's still happening now and um, and how hard it continues to be. It's mm-hmm. it's really it's really something. Yeah, yeah. Does your family history, you know, I've I've seen you cook some Asian dishes on the on the show. Does your family history affect uh, your job on on more than just cooking those recipes? Yeah. I. Um, it's funny. One of the challenges of working at um, America's Test Kitchen is we have a lot of test cooks who have developed a lot of recipes over the years. And so coming back and doing um, every year for the November-December issue, we do a turkey. Mm-hmm. Magazine's been around for a long time, yeah, and finding yeah. new ways to do turkey is hard. Yeah, um, yeah. When you think think about other recipes that that are also really core to the American culinary canon. Yeah. Um, I think it can be hard for Americans to approach those with fresh eyes. I don't mm. have that problem because right. I didn't grow up with any of this. Um, and so um, a recipe I had a ton of success with uh, was baked potatoes. I didn't grow up with baked potatoes. I think before work assigned that recipe to me, I'd maybe made them once at work, maybe for staff meal, and was like, okay, it's a potato. Cool. I don't know. Um, Initially, I was super nervous when they assigned that recipe to me because my assumption was, you put it in the oven? Poke some holes in it? What what else is there to know? Um, But because I didn't know anything. It was really, it was pretty easy to go in and really look at recipes out there with fresh eyes. Um, I think a lot of my recipe development and where I'm working with American recipes, I can get pretty creative and and bring a new perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on the flip side, Last year, I think it was, I got to do a fried rice recipe, and mm-hmm. we have a ton of fried rice recipes, um, but I pitched doing my grandmother's fried rice uh-huh. because she it's it, she doesn't load it up with a lot of the ingredients that I think are markers of Chinese, with mm-hmm. big air quotes, for Americans, um, mm-hmm. like... She she's not putting a ton of soy sauce in that rice. The rice looks like mm. rice. It tastes like rice. Huh. Um, it's not loaded up with, I don't know, every ingredient in your pantry. It's just a handful of vegetables and some ham and an egg. It's pretty mm. much it. And um, I it it was just a ton of fun to introduce something that I grew up eating to the magazine. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. You know, and um. What you said kind of resonated with me because my, my wife's family is from Hong Kong. And so she didn't grow up with Thanksgiving and Christmas meals. So when she, my, my family is from the Midwest. So when um, when we had our, our, our family 
dinner, Thanksgiving dinner, she was eating things like green bean casserole for the first time and, you know, marshmallows on, on yams. And she's like, this yeah, is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, what are you talking about? It's green bean casserole. <laughs> Everyone does this, right? And so it's kind of interesting. Like, like she'll use the, the ATK cookbook just mm-hmm. to get recipes that she didn't grow up. You know, she didn't have a Midwestern grandma to just show her how to make green bean casserole and ambrosia and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> There's a strawberry pretzel salad yeah. I had. That was um, it was super fun. I was like, I, it was introduced to me by a test cook at the company. He's not there anymore, Nick Iverson. And I was like, this is weird, Nick, but I like it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Hey, let's talk a little television. Since you are a TV star now, who knew, right? Actually, you know what I like when I see you? T- I love seeing Asian faces on the test kitchen. But you know what I like is that you're like. Half a head taller than everyone else on the show. <laughs> I mean, Dan and Keith have have some inches on me, but okay, um, okay. but all the women. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't know why that is. I just my my parents are tall. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it's always like is is Lon tall or are they short? <laughs> it- a little bit of both. Yeah. A little bit of both. Also, kitchen shoes add inches. That's true. That's true. You go with the clogs, or you go in Danco, or are you. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, I, you know, <laughs> we know some things around here a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you've you've spent some time in kitchens. <laughs> All right. So uh let's see, I've seen you maybe three years ago. When did you start cooking on TV? I'm not sure. <laughs> I should know this. Um I you know, they asked me to step into onto Cook's Country the first season, and I think that was in 2016, 2017, something like that. And then um, we transitioned me to America's Test Kitchen, which made more sense because so many of the recipes on ATK come from Cook's Illustrated. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, were you when they asked you, were you like, sure, this will be great, or were you like, uh, you got the right person here? (laughs) Uh, You know, I um, I joke about how I like to do a new scary thing every five years. Okay. Um, and I find that coincides with when I start to kind of settle into whatever it is I'm doing and I start to get bored. And mm-hmm. so um, it's a good time to kind of experiment and try a new thing. And they happened to ask at a time when I was like, do I want to do this? Is this what I want to do? I've been developing here for a little bit. Yeah. I don't really know what the next step is. And the opportunity arose and I thought, all right, well, I don't know what the next step is. I guess I'll try this. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good attitude. I mean, that's where this podcast came from too. I get bored, you know, <laughs> so I was yeah. like, hey, let's do something new. All right. And then now you're doing, uh, your own, is it your show or it's, you're doing Technically, which is a technique show. Very nerdy, which I love, uh, but it's it's about five episodes in. Did you develop that, or did they pitch that to you? No, I I was lucky enough to be asked to pitch, and so um, this whole show started. Oh uh, gosh, I've been working on this for over a year at this point, well over a year, um, and uh, my my editor in chief Dan Souza. Um, who you might have, I don't know if you watch What's Eating Dan on YouTube, but you should. It's fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but Dan asked me to pitch. And so I, we brainstormed. I got together with our production team and brainstormed some more. Um, wrote a pilot. We shot it. 
it got greenlit and off we went. And it's been such a process. I don't think I understood how much work goes into Mm. it goes goes into making just ten minutes of YouTube. Yeah, no, it's people's full-time job, you know, but it's a super fun show. Uh, Do you want to summarize it real quick? Like, what's kind of the premise of it? Yeah, so I, um, ATK was asking me to put together a show, so it clearly had to be a cooking show. And I have a hard time watching cooking shows because in many cases, the format hasn't changed since I watched (laughs) Julia Child or Jacques Pepin or Martin Yan in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's people making a thing and teaching you how to make it and talking about why. And, um, and I wanted to put together a show where I could kind of show people how test cooks think about cooking. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not just trying to put dinner on the table. I'm looking at a recipe and trying to figure out how to make the food do a thing. All test cooks think about technique. They think about how food reacts when you combine it, when you heat it, when you chill it, when you cut it. And um, and so since what I'm focusing on is technique, rather than cooking through a recipe, I wanted to demonstrate a technique and why it mattered across a span of recipes. And so that's kind of what the show is. It's let's look at this one method. Let's see how it gets applied in different ways. Um, because then you can take that technique and figure out how to apply it to what you do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love it. I, um, just had some bacon this morning that I cooked with a little bit of water. Who knew, right? It works great. It works great. Uh, do you have a favorite episode? Oh gosh. I, (laughs) do I have a, um, I don't think I do. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to, how to do lighting food on fire right now. Sneak, <laughs> sneak peek into a potential future episode okay. where right. we talk about grilling and flambéing and flare ups, uh-huh. um, and maybe some wake. We'll see. Okay. I think the audience has voted. They said, uh, cold searing is their favorite episode. <laughs> Over a million views. I I'm kind of I'm shocked at how well that does and I hope it continues to do well because I think people should understand that they have options and yeah. you know there isn't just one way to do anything. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of nice to see what all the different methods are and choose one that works for, you know, your space, your time yeah. constraints, um the the meat you're actually cooking. The cut, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, fun stuff. I, now, this is kind of an Asian question. Uh, so do your parents brag about you when they say, hey, my daughter's on TV? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'm not sure. They, I think um, they were happy when I got out of restaurants. Okay. <laughs> um, because I could, I could come home and visit more than for more than for three, four days right uh-huh. around Christmas. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think, I think they're a little surprised that it's all still working and that, you know, I can support myself <laughs> on, on this career. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's it's not how they drew it up when you know when they're coming over on the boat. <laughs> they're like, oh, someday my daughter will be on TV cooking. <laughs> right. I mean, I've growing up, one of the things they said was, "We want you to earn a living with your brain, not your hands." And uh-huh. I totally yeah. get that because yeah. you know the first our first ten years here, they were it's earning tough. a living with their hands, and yeah. it was hard. It was. I think they felt some of the work was demeaning. I, I'm not sure I agree. I think it is, it is honest work. Yeah. Um, but they, they definitely did not want it for their children. Absolutely. And, um, I think I've managed to thread the needle where Mm -hmm. I am, I get to use both. I'm using both hands and brain. Hands and brain. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, my family again can relate to that. My, my father-in-law was a waiter for, you know, a couple several decades. And when my wife wanted to get a job at like, you know, Chevy's or Chili's, he wouldn't let her, he wouldn't let her be a waitress, you know? And he said, no, you can do anything except for that. I'm not going to let you do that. So. Oh, that's, um, I, I mean, on the one hand, I get it. On the other hand, experienced waitstaff are gems. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It, it's and it's not something anyone really goes into anymore. There, are, there are so very few folks who understand hospitality from that point. Good service in hospitality is is hard to learn. It's mm-hmm. it's a skill, and it's yeah. it's sad to me that it's not valued as a skill. Hmm. Yeah, and I I waited on tables in college and. If anything, it's giving me compassion, you know, when I go to a restaurant, I'm a better tipper, you know, and yeah, I, yeah. I understand when someone's, when you see one person having, you know, 10 tables, you're like, okay, I can wait a little longer for my water. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I spent two months working in front of the house and promptly scooted right back into the kitchen. <laughs> back of the house is where to be. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Lon, you have survived our tough questions. Now it is time for the lightning round. And I, I slipped in a couple here that you don't know about. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if you <laughs> can answer these on the fly. Uh, what are the top three kitchen tools that you couldn't live without? And you could throw in an, a bonus honorable mention for a tool that you just like. It's not necessarily essential. Okay. Um, side towel. Okay. Uh, I'm a little bit obsessed with knives. Can I say knives plural? Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you a chef's knife and what? What's your second knife, Yuki? Ooh, a pairing. Okay, if chef I, if and I a pairing. I can only have two. Chef and a pairing. Okay, and you get one uh, more tool. Ooh, one more tool. Ooh, solid cutting board. Yeah. Okay. I just, I, yeah, like um, something that's uh, not so heavy that you. You know, you feel like you have to lift in order to maneuver it around um, and something not so nice that you're worried about damaging it when you're cutting. It's just like a, a solid middle of the road cutting board. You go wood, yeah. you go bamboo, plastic. What are you doing? Ooh, I've got plastic right now because they're just easier to, to clean and maneuver. Yeah. Um, but if I had more space and could, you know... <laughs> had more counter space, I think I would go with a wood butcher block. Yeah, yeah. All right. And one fun tool that you like? Oyster knife. 
Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. In New England, you got to have an oyster knife around, yeah? I do love oysters. They're so good. <laughs> All right. Uh, is there anything you won't eat? Probably, but I haven't found it yet. Okay. Um, so you'll do you'll do durian on a hot day in Vietnam? Don't love it, but I'll eat it. Okay. <laughs> like, they are, they are separate questions. Will I eat it? Probably. Will I like it? Probably not. <laughs> Okay, you got to do it for the family though. You can't you can't turn it down yeah. if someone hands oh. you some. My mom loves durian, and so if my mom is handing me durian, I'm going to eat it. Okay, all right. Do you have a now? Not including Tokyo, because we all know Japanese Seven Elevens are amazing. But do you have a Seven Eleven guilty pleasure, a, a gas station convenience store guilty pleasure that you'll get? Oh, gosh. <laughs> A lot of the candy bars, but um, let's see, specificity. I don't feel guilty about eating candy bars, I guess that's <laughs> what I'm realizing. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, I got it. Um, instant ramen. I think bad ramen is still good ramen. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm, yeah. yeah no, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I think, especially if you're ever in Asia, the, the varieties they have over there. Though, you yeah. know, we're getting more and more varieties here now. You can find them almost anywhere now. Uh, do you have a chef that you'd love to cook with? I would love to cook. You know, I um, I got to interview Martin Yan um, a couple years ago, mm. and I would love, I don't even need to cook with him. I would just love to be in the kitchen uh-huh. as he cooked. I would like to be able to ask questions and and to stop him and have him explain things to me. And I'd like to be able to hear and smell whatever he was doing. Like I can see things. I can hear things when he cooks on TV. Mm -hmm. I want to eat it, but I, I want (laughs) to be there for the process Yeah, because you can learn so much just smelling what's happening and getting to ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. For Asian American chefs out, he's the godfather. Yeah. He's the, the television chefs, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any favorite fictional books about food, restaurants, cooking, or movies? I was thinking about this, and um, when I was in, I don't know, ninth, tenth grade, we read like Water for Chocolate, oh, and yeah. I was, I was hooked by the way she described how food. Um, changes people, how it influences mm-hmm. their mood, their bodies physically, how it can be used to um, to show emotion, to show pleasure, to show disdain, sadness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I it, It's a book that sticks with me now. Um, and I think it's coming to mind because uh, we're working on a Chili's Onigata recipe. And uh-huh. that's a recipe that she cooks uh, uh, in the book. Um, so... Okay. All right. Yeah. No, that that's an amazing movie too. Yeah. So very cool. All right. I got a Wesleyan question for you. Okay. How many classes did you ever take with Lin-Manuel Miranda? <laughs> you know, Lin graduated, I think, a He's year close, right? after me too. Okay. I, think, I think I graduated a little bit before him. I did not know him. My <laughs> friends hung out with him because they were theater people, but I was not. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to school. So out here, I went to school with uh, Daniel Handler, who is Lemony Snicket. He also yes, went to Wesleyan. Another Wesleyan. 
but early 90s, I think. Yeah, no, even 80s, I think, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I have another friend. I don't think you would overlap with her, but Julie Rue. So shout out to Julie Rue, Wesleyan alum. <laughs> what do you call someone from Wesleyan? What did you just call them? A uh, Wes alum? <laughs> a Wes alum? What, uh, we had a mascot. Cardinal? Cardinals? I can't remember. Um, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> terrible. Okay. Oh, um, what did I want to say here? Oh, I I think I know one that I would like, but what is your favorite perk from working at America's Test Kitchen Cooks Illustrated? The take-home fridge. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, we have this one refrigerator that we call the take-home fridge. Um, after test cooks make whatever it is they're making, and everyone is done tasting, and then everyone is done snacking, um, the food gets packed up and it gets placed in the take-home fridge. At the end of the week, after you're done testing, any groceries that you haven't used, that also goes in the take-home fridge. And so everyone in the company shops from the take-home <laughs> and I have become very good at repurposing whatever I find in there into and turning it into dinner. Um, it's it's really saved me on my grocery bill quite a bit. That's very cool. Yeah. No, I, I, I poked around the, the jobs on the website and they listed some of the perks. I also think, see, I'm, I'm a gadget person, so I would love, you know, the little extra gadgets they have laying around from the testings. You know, the um, that is. I'd forgotten about the giveaway because it's been a while, but it's um, uh, one other thing we do uh, for those who are unfamiliar is we review kitchenware mm -hmm. and um, the company buys everything so that we um, Unbiased, we're, yeah. we're not getting anything for free. And um, after the reviews team tests all 10, I don't know, uh, cutting boards, they'll hold on to them and we'll like, for maybe three years, we want to make sure that if we're going to run that testing on oh, TV, we have yeah. all the equipment available. If something comes up a year in and we have to retest, we can. But eventually, we're done with it. And <laughs> um, and so once a year, um, the reviews team will pull out all of the stuff they tested three years ago and it goes into the giveaway. And there's a lottery. Everyone in the company is in the lottery. You get uh, put into a little 15-minute slot. And when your time comes up, you roll into this giant room, take whatever you want. Within the 15 minutes you have, there's a system. You can get, I think it's one large item, two medium items, or three small items. And um, once uh, we go through... Usually you go through twice. Um, there's a free for all where everyone just descends and grabs whatever, whatever uh -huh. is left. And uh -huh. it's a ton of fun. I've, I've really, um, I've, I've kitted out my kitchen with giveaway things over the last 12 years. Yeah, it's been pretty yeah. great. Yeah. But you got to think small, right? <laughs> you're not bringing home the big stuff. No, that is exactly it. Because if you're in the first group, you can walk away with something amazing. But, um, most people get distracted by like some of the big ticket items and they're like bread machine. That looks awesome. I want to have fresh bread every day. And they take <laughs> that and then it gets moved to their garage or attic or basement. <laughs> I always go for the small stuff. It always gets used and, um, and it's easier to get home. It's just 
like, I think the big ticket items, unless you're sure you're going to use it a lot, are kind of a distraction. <laughs> Good to know. That sounds like fun. That would be, yeah, those two things, I think, stood out for me as the perks of working there. <laughs> All right. Now, I'm going to give you a choice of two items, and you have to choose one, and the other one you can't use for a year. Okay. Okay, so this might hurt your soul a little bit. All right. <laughs> Uh, you want to start big or you want to start small? Start small. Okay. Hot sauce or soy sauce? Now, you can't use uh, the other one for a whole year, so you got to think wisely here. Uh, I would keep the soy sauce because there are other ways to add spice. Can I make my own hot sauce? No. I know how to make hot sauce. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Um, but you know, I mean, like, there's chilies out there. Use fresh chilies, yeah. Yeah, I can work wasn't around hard. that one. All right, all right. Here's one. I think this might be hard. So this is the age-old question, not which came first, but would you take a chicken or would you take eggs? Eggs. Yeah, <laughs> I saw you um, on the Ask the Test Kitchen. I, mean, I thought you might say eggs. Yeah, I, 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 I've always thought that eggs are the reason I could never be vegan. It, I could give up <laughs> meat. I could give up dairy. I could give up honey. I don't think I could give up eggs. Yeah, they're, they're just so great. They're so useful and they're so tasty. Yeah, yeah. We we just my daughter and I just watched your uh, egg egg kimchi avocado egg sandwich this morning. We we love. You should try them. those sandwiches. There's uh that that little that little baked egg souffle. Inspired by Joanne Chang's um, sa oh. breakfast sandwich okay. is amazing. Okay. It's really good. Yeah. You can yeah. do anything with it. And that one's on YouTube, so you can guys can go watch that one. All right, this last one, uh, surf or turf? All of seafood uh, or all of land animals? Oh, I'll keep seafood. Okay. I, I, I can, bacon would be hard, but I could do it, especially <laughs> if it was just for a year. Yeah. All the other stuff. It's funny. Over time, I've I've moved not towards. I'm not vegetarian, and I don't think I'll ever, I ever will be. But I eat very little meat these days, hmm. except when work says you have to eat that now. Uh huh. With bacon being the exception. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I like no one it. Eats pounds I don't, and pounds of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's I. It's funny. I don't actually buy meat. I I think. Uh huh. It's just I get enough at work, and um, and so you know. It's not. It's not too bad. Wait, can I? Can do you want? I think you should play this game. I have a question for you. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah, sure. Fair game. Um, because uh, I had a lot of trouble with this. If you had to give up one of these things, which would you give up? Um, bread, potatoes, or rice? Oh. <laughs> See, I love carbs. I could. I think if I had to give up meat or carbs, I would give. You know, I, I would give up meat before I would give up carbs. I mm -hmm. love. But that is not the question, Curtis. All right, you know what? I'm bread, gonna, potatoes, or rice? I got to stay on brand. I got to stay on brand with my podcast. So I'm going to say I could give up. Well, so is rice, bread, and what was the third one? Potatoes. potatoes. Oh, yeah. man. I only you have to, to give up one. get to keep two. Yeah, I can you get keep to keep two. two. Okay, so I'll, I'll give up bread. I'll go potatoes and rice. No, the rice would be the last to go. Of those three, rice yeah. would be the last, yeah. No, I love, you know, my, my, my dad was, is diabetic type two diabetes. And so he had to give up a lot of carbs and yeah, it was, That's it was hard. tough. 
It was tough. Yeah. Yeah, and he loves meat. He loves meat. But, you know, he's he's like he's the Midwest guy. So the meat and potatoes, the potatoes is a big part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, these are hard. They're kind of fun, right? They're kind of hard. Yeah. Uh, you want to try you want to try an ethnic one? Sure. All right. Um, see, I don't know if this would be hard for you. Uh, sushi or dim sum? Oh, no, that's hard. Is it? <laughs> uh, ooh. For a year, though? A year. <laughs> Gosh, I guess I didn't have dim sum for a good chunk of the pandemic, but I really missed it. Um, There's some good frozen ones now, too. There's some yeah. really good frozen ones. And I can't make it, is yeah, what you're no, saying. Yeah, no, it's off the menu, too. Um, I think this is the one that stumps me. Oh, I okay. would give... Uh, sushi? <laughs> it's I only like a year. Dim sum's, can... Yeah, dim sum's so broad. I yeah, don't know that is. I can give up all of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a tough one, too. Yeah, all right. So you did pretty well. You did pretty well. I think <laughs> you, you, you survived that round as well. And uh, we like to end our show by asking our guests to choose an infatuation. An infatuation is anyone in the Asian community, living or deceased, that has inspired you. So, Lon Lam, who is your infatuation? There is this woman named Jenny Dorsey, who I think everyone should follow. She mm. is a chef, an activist. She's writing a book, getting a graduate degree at Harvard, and oh, also God. cooking. Okay. And I don't know how... Oh, and she runs a nonprofit um, that brings attention to the... Oh, gosh, the underprivileged, the underserved uh, within the food community um, mm. called Studio Atau. And um, mm. I, I was lucky enough to have ice cream with her a couple weeks ago, maybe it's a month ago. And I, I'm so impressed by her, her positivity, her thoughtfulness, how smart she is, and the fact that she's so brave. She'll call people out and she does it kindly and Hmm. there's we all have so much to learn from from jenny so everyone go find jenny dorsey and follow her amazing okay so she's boston based is she east coast no i I, she lives in i think la but for now she's um she's in cambridge while she's working on this degree okay yeah so another californian for you yeah okay another transplant we gotta Mm -hmm. you gotta look up so jenny dorsey is that what you said yes yes jenny dorsey Good. I love it when I when I get someone I don't know. So that's great. That's great. Lana, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for uh, waiting for me for an hour on Zooms. I'm so sorry. No worries. This was so much fun. Great, great. Yeah, no, we uh, we love talking food and we love nerding out on it. So everyone out there, uh, go watch America's Test Kitchen and you can see Lon cooking online. You can find it on YouTube or you can go to cooksillustrated.com and find lots and lots and lots of recipes. If you want to follow Lon's Instagram, she is at Lon underscore cooks on Instagram. Um, oh, and make sure you check out Technically as well and learn a new technique. I, I think all of yours have been things that I did not know before. So uh, oh. kudos to well, you on great. that. great. Yeah. Um, I, I I hope we get to do this fire one and, um, yeah. and you'll learn some more. Yeah. No, looking forward to it. Hope so too. 
Uh, everyone out there, you can get in touch with us by writing into infatuationpodcast at gmail.com. You know where to follow us on Instagram at the Infatuation Podcast. Thanks for listening to us. Let us know if you enjoy this show and tell a friend about this. If you have a huge America's Test Kitchen fan in your life, make sure they hear this episode to learn more about Lon. So on behalf of Lon and myself, we hope that you're all happy, healthy, and safe out there until we talk to you again. Bye. Bye, everyone.